Hey guys, it's Rami. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Score North Live. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North mobile app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you only have time to listen to one segment from today's show, here it is right now. Rami Makloff in the TCL Broadcast Studios along with Judd Zolgad waking up to uh, sad news for Vikings fans and football fans across the league today that Chris Dolman, former Vikings defensive end, lost his battle with cancer late last night. Joining us now to talk a little bit about that, remember the life and career of Chris Dolman is his former teammate, longtime Vikings, long snapper, and former host of Ventline right here on these airwaves, the superstar, Mike Morris. How are you this afternoon, Mike? Good morning. Doing that. I guess it is afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's just one. It's been one of those weeks. It's been a tough week, and uh, certainly today is no different. Uh, this one hits uh, pretty close to the to, to home. So, um, thanks for having me on, though. No, we appreciate your time, and and like you just said, it it can't be an easy time for you to come on and talk about it. But just just tell us if if you could. What kind of teammate was Chris Dolman? Because he, he may not have been the, the outward character that, that some defensive ends and defensive linemen have been, especially in recent history of the NFL, but what kind of guy was he behind the scenes and in the locker room? Well, uh, he was uh, Chris Dolman was, the one thing I remember about him was that he was very businesslike. He was a very smart player. And he, conduct, he conducted his, his football as a business. In fact, every single morning he would walk into the locker room with a briefcase. And I'm, I'm no one. Rarely did I see anyone walk in with anything other than a you know a bag or something like that, full of clothes or whatever else to change it. But he would carry a briefcase <laughs> into work and put it on his stool there in front of his locker and change. And you know it became kind of a kind of a joke with some of us. We'd, we'd heckle him a little bit and give him a bad time about it. But he, you know he'd take out things and start looking at it, his playbook and everything else. He, but he would bring a briefcase to work and he said, "I handle this as a business, you guys," and he meant it. And and he took it seriously, and the, and the guy was an incredible football player. He was a good teammate, and uh, all I can remember is that, you know, when it came time to hit him, uh, he was dug in pretty good. You could not get him uh, to budge. Uh, you'd be pulling on a long trap and trying to kick him out, and he'd be out, out of defensive end, and you just, it was a headache every time you tried to dig him out of there. But it was, he and I used to chuckle every morning. I'd done a training camp in Mankato. I'd It'd be the same scripted plays, and it would lead off this one play where I would have to do that. And uh, it was just a headache every morning right away with Chris Dolman uh, being that that headache for me. But uh, God bless him. Uh, going to miss that guy. He was, a, he was an incredible talent. Incredible talent. So, Starge, Judd, here's the question. Did you ever try and hide the briefcase? Of course I did. In fact, <laughs> I knew you would. Of course I did. Of course I did. There wasn't anyone I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't finally get to. Uh, and Dolman's briefcase uh, was one of my one of my great steals. Um, I put it in uh, the pool. Actually, uh, I submerged it, <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, something that I paid for in a really big way when he and uh, uh, Hank Thomas decided they were going to handcuff me to one of the pillars down at Winter Park, and they did do that, and they left me there for a while. But they had real handcuffs. Randall McDaniel made sure they had handcuffs. And, they, and Dolman was mad about that, and Anthony uh, Carter was mad because I, I dropped his, I threw his pants in there and it had his Rolex in there. He got mad at me. I don't know why, but <laughs> but but yeah, it was it was always something with me. But uh, he was a he was a fun guy. He he took it and uh, he gave it right back to me. So, um, I, you know, I had lunch with him. I think it was last I, it was last summer for Randall McDaniel's uh, charity golf tournament out of Chaska. 
mm-hmm. uh, the town course out there, and I sat and ate lunch with with Dolman and uh, uh, a few other guys at the table. And uh, that was the that was the last time I saw him. Last time I, I got to speak with him in person, but uh, he was ha- he was struggling. He was struggling, and uh, he just was not uh, not the guy I knew. The, the huge, powerful, incredibly talented, and, and fast. Uh, athletic football player that he was, he just was not that anymore. And it was, it was, it was for me at least, it was very, you know, it was uh, a sobering moment uh, and and sad to see that. But um, he went through a lot. Yeah, Star, I, I seem to recall too that that he changed uh, to to your point about the briefcase and his first nine years here. He was a very business like. Uh, I think to the outside world, standoffish type of guy. And then I recall he came back in 99 for one last year. And if I'm not mistaken, seemed like a much more reflective, appreciative person of his career. Is that correct? I think, I think that would be fair uh, to say that. Uh, he, was, he was the kind of player at the end when he came back. I, I had been with him through both stints that he, that he ran with the, with the Vikings. And uh, you're right, I, I do agree with that. He was somewhat more, uh, he, he, would, he would reach out to teammates, try and help the younger guys, had knew his place in the locker room, uh, and he had a role that he knew he wanted to deliver on uh, and make good on, on the end of his career uh, by you know helping out the younger players and the younger, younger defensive linemen and, and uh I do remember that he was he was uh, he was a different player, and I know that he was he was bound and determined and goal driven to get his get his sack total up, and uh, you know he wanted to, he wanted to be the the best player he could be, but he was very driven by by numbers and, and his sack numbers at the end of the year, and he was out to get them, and that was early in his career, but he was just so good at the end of his career, and so polished, and had such an arsenal of moves and different things that he could throw that he was just so confident he didn't have to worry about it as much. He just uh, he went about his business. As, as, as we said earlier, he just went about his business. He took care of business for a long time, I'll tell you. Smart you, player. Do you have one story or, or one one play either on the practice field or, or on, on game day that, that encap- encapsulates the type of player and, and guy that he was on the football field? Uh, I mean, Hall of Fame player, right? Uh, you have to, you know, you'd have to really look long and hard for the actual one moment, that signature thing, but he was so smart. He would set people up and set people up and, and bring the outside rush and then just hit you with an inside move and then he'd act like he was tired in the fourth quarter and then just let loose and get about two or three sacks late in the game when we needed him, but... Uh, the guy was a solid player. I think being, just being so smart and being athletic. For as big as he was, people don't realize this, but he was a lot bigger than, than I think they thought he was. He was he was very fast, very quick, feather trigger, getting off the ball. But that guy was 285 for a lot of his career. That was a big guy coming off the edge. And he could play the stand-up outside position and kind of back out of there and get in protection uh, as he did in Atlanta and San Francisco. But it's hard to pinpoint one play, but I remember just being such a smart player. Uh, he always had his way at the end of the game. He always had a sack. He always had great numbers. And uh, it was always, you know, the briefcase back in the locker room for another game plan. <laughs> did you waterproof the briefcase in any way? Of course he no. didn't. Uh-uh. No. So no. his playbook and everything just soaked and ruined, Mike? Yep. <laughs> so... Hey Star, what? Much, yeah. Hey Star, what did they do? Uh, just to elaborate on this, what did they do to get back at you? 
they handcuffed me to one of the poles down in the, if you remember the old Winter Park uh, locker room, there were like yeah. pillars uh, in different corners yep. back here by where you guys sat in that one little back room in the in the hallway where you came in. Yep. There were a couple of pillars by the tape table and, and uh, the hamper and whatnot, and it was just small enough that I could get, they put my arms around it and handcuffed my, my hands at the other side. I forget who helped out on that one. It took two or three of them to pin me up against that. Wow. It was Dolman and Hank Thomas and, you know, I think Johnny Randall had a part in that. How too, long did they leave you there, Mike? Uh, about 45 minutes. And so, uh, I was stuck there. I missed a meeting and they knew that, was, that I was going to miss a meeting. Uh, and they left me there. And then Dennis Ryan found me and, uh, found the keys and, and I think McDaniel I think had the handcuffs all the time but he found the keys on uh, at, he went in the meeting room and got them from Randall and they finally let me out of that situation but uh, lucky for me the long snapping meeting wasn't that long and I didn't miss the so, long snap uh, yeah, I, that's a joke a long snapping meeting never existed but uh, <laughs> never, there was never such a thing as a long snapping meeting because you would have had to hold it yourself so yeah. hold on a second so your best friend on the team provided the handcuffs in uh, Randall yeah. McDaniel okay yeah yeah, he was a close friend. I know. Still close, a close, close friend, friend, right? I'm not going to ask why he always had a real pair of handcuffs at the ready. I will I will leave that to the listener's imagination, Mike. <laughs> but he was he was what we like to say ornery in Iowa. Uh, and he would he had a lot of things, as Judd would probably uh, bear witness. Uh, that he had the stink bombs. He had the uh, itching powder that he put in everyone's <laughs> pants. Uh, it, it was always something. And uh, the handcuffs were just another way of him doing what he did best, pulling pranks and, like, you know, getting the best of people. And there's nothing you could do back to a guy like that anyway. You can't get him back. It's impossible. That is the superstar, Mike Morris, longtime Vikings, long snapper, and uh, former host of Ventline right here on these airwaves. Mike, uh, like I said at the start, I know it can't be an easy day for you, and we appreciate you carving out a few minutes to remember the uh, life and career of Chris Dolman. Good talking to you, Star. Uh, I really appreciate it, guys. Take care now, and... uh, uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Right. Thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate you it. Bet. There's Bye-bye. Mike Morris, the superstar, joining us here on Score North Live.